Jake Knapp is the inventor of the design sprint and the New York Times bestselling author of the book Sprint. He's also the co-founder of Character, a venture fund for early stage startups. How and why did you start using Miro? I came from this position of thinking, I don't want to be doing stuff online to thinking now when I do a sprint in person with a company, it's like, we're going to use Miro, even though we're all in the same room, because that's a better way for us to get this work done. As an investor, we're basically investing in their ability to solve problems. We're saying, we think this group of people is going to be able to solve a problem in a really great way and create value by doing it. And actually, you need to give people the tools that can help them make decisions, help them collaborate, help them visualize and see things in a different way. And Miro does all those things. So to me, at least as an investor, I'm thinking, give the team the tools that are going to help them think, that are going to make the most brighten their, their skills as smart folks. And Miro is at the top of that list. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played, from MMA to international soccer. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV. That's capital letters BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats. We're part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Now that all that is out of the way, we have a very special podcast today for a couple reasons. First of all, the Oklahoma City Thunder are here to stay until the year 2050. The vote went Ooh. through today in Oklahoma City, I, I believe 71 to 29. Uh, was the majority in terms of yes. So Oklahoma City Thunder are here to stay. We'll be talking about that in a little bit in today's pod and in the subsequent pods to follow. But the other reason we're excited, we got a guest on the pod now. We're going to get to him in a second. But first, I got to introduce my co-host in the state of New York. We've got the um, <laughs> the self-named Unicone. Uh, <laughs> don't, say, don't, don't say self-named. <laughs> Do not put that on me. Uh, I'm good, man. You know, not in OK, uh, OKC, Oklahoma area, but was kind of nervous, you know, about the the vote going on today. I was I'm really happy that y'all got that to stay. Obviously, you know, podcast events and stuff going to keep going through there. But yeah, man, 
Super stoked that Thunder are going to stick there for a little bit. Had some great basketball recently. I tweeted this out, but I'm so glad the Thunder are actually for once in their existence blowing out teams that they should blow out consistently, which is super nice to prevent me from having heart attacks like every Warriors game. But yeah, man, doing well. Hype for y'all over there in the Oklahoma area and just hype that the Thunder are there to stay. Absolutely, absolutely. Echoing those sentiments from Cone, as you know, I'm also I'm a Kentucky resident, so I didn't have any uh, any ground to stand on and much telling you guys what to do and to vote. But uh, very excited for the ones that went out there and voted and voted yes. And you know, you guys get to keep the thunder. So uh, somebody that was very excited, somebody that was very much on the forefront of the vote yes campaign is my compadre Alex Roy. Alex, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know. Uh... 71 to 29 is not a yes. It's a hell yes. Hell yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, you heard him in the background. He's making a surprise appearance in this one. Maddie Moles. What is up, Moles? Yeah, uh, from the state of Nebraska. Uh, I don't know a better way to celebrate Rumble. Staying in OKC. Drinking a little Buffalo Trace. Let's go. Um, you know, who who has to be up in like five hours? For work Um, but anyway uh it's a celebration and i'm very excited absolutely hey funny funny thing is i i i drive by that distillery all the time for my work so uh small world so funny hey let's let's get into it man we've got a guest on the pod let's bring him in joining us today he's a chicago native he is a graduate of the university of missouri and has had stints of being a reporter for the houston chronicle as well as omaha world herald where he was the beat writer for creighton now he is in oklahoma and he is on the beat for your oklahoma city thunder he's not afraid to ask tough questions he famously does not work for joe masato and he took down rywin styles in nba 2k Please welcome from the Oklahoma. It's time to start a frenzy for Thunderbeat Rider Joel Lorenzi. Yo, and what an intro! That was that was <laughs> that was a lot. That was a mouthful, but it was all that was like ten out of ten, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely, man. That's what we gotta do. That's what we gotta do. Everybody comes through. Try to try to prepare them an intro, get them hyped, get them excited, uh, get the energy going for the pod. And very excited to have you on, man. You know, I kind of I kind of mentioned it. We'll get into it on the background, but. You know, you're kind of new to the Thunder beat this year, you know, new to Oklahoma City, new to the Thunder in general. So excited to, you know, kind of learn more about you and, you know, kind of kind of catch the vibe on the pod here. So uh, let's kind of get into it, man, with the background. Anytime we have somebody new, we like to ask questions, just, you know, uh, the listeners can kind of get to know the person on the other side of the mic here. So first of all, man, let's go back to the roots. What first got you into the game of basketball? Man, I mean, being from Chicago, like, that's like, if we talk cities, because I know some people will debate, you know, states and, and regions. Like, if we talk about mm-hmm. solely cities, I think Chicago is the best in the world, man, in terms of competition, you know, history. Like, it's up there. I mean, maybe maybe NYC rivals it. But um, when I was in high school, like, Jalil Okafor was a senior um, oh, at my nice. high school. So, like, I was just around NBA players. I'm caught up with, with Taylor Horton Tucker yesterday, who, who I was good friends with in high school. Like, just – being around guys like that, all my friends still, you know, I don't want to say all, but all my friends, most of my friends still play some sort of ball college, you know, mm. overseas. Like, it's just, even if I didn't want to like basketball, like, it was just around me. So, yeah. I was I was always going to be into it. I, I didn't have a, a, a shot at, you know, playing long term, but uh, I, I salute my, my homies that do, and I, I just stayed around the game, so. 
So, so kind of, you know, we all, we all have a background in, in what we love as far as basketball and, and we love playing it, but you know, many of us can't get to that point where we can go professional. Um, so what made you want to join that aspect of, of basketball and cover, you know, and cover the NBA? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, when I stopped playing because, um, and I'll give y'all a little, you know, 2k card of myself. I, I was a five foot spot up. You know what I'm saying? So that that was not a good archetype. That wasn't ever going to last long. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think when I stopped playing, you know, there was a time like I low-key hated the game, like at least playing the game. Like I, mm-hmm. I just – I was so frustrated with, you know, peaking at the time. And I, I must have grew like seven inches the next year or something, which was too late. But um, man, I, I was so frustrated that I was like – I would just I, – I started – I there was a time where I didn't watch it, but then when I started watching it, it was kind of like – I was watching it almost like a, like a hobo, bro. Like I'll just be in the bed, um, like, not, like just long nights watching ball, um, like not doing homework, stuff like that. And I think my, my mom used to tell me, like, you know, you keep, you keep doing stuff like that, like, you ain't gonna get nowhere. But I think I was determined to, like, you know, make a career out of just keeping up with basketball. And I, I think it seemed bleak then, but. Um, I don't know. I, I started seeing avenues. Like I think Stephen A. Smith was probably my inspiration in the why I wanted to get into journalism. Obviously, Stephen A. is a, a character and he's probably above journalism now. But um, mm-hmm. I think back then there was a template. And then I came to realize that Stephen A. and all those dudes that are there, they got there from writing. So I got into writing. Um, I started out in broadcast, hated it. But I got into writing my senior year at Mizzou. Um, and it took off from there, man. Like I just I started covering Mizzou basketball and it it, it went fairly well for me so um i i think that was you know that that whole process kind of like pushed me in that direction and it i think i took such a leap early on it was kind of like I, I mean this is all i can do i think i wasn't gonna jump into like tech or something like that like salute to those who are getting bread off tech because that I'm, they probably make a lot more money than me i just this was like the lone avenue i could take so mm-hmm yeah, I, I feel you, man. I graduated from uh, University of Virginia about a year ago um, with a psych degree and I applied for grad schools and stuff. And uh, I was trying to go with my girlfriend wherever she ended up, but she got matched with her program. So uh, she matched with Columbia. I'm up here in New York City right now. And I was like, oh, like I, I majored in psych. I was like, oh, I can go into therapy. And then Columbia is like, you did not get in. So I was doing this whole YouTube thing and some live stream stuff. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to move to New York City and see what happens. And like you said, I know credit to everyone that can make a career out of like tech or something like that. But like, I I just wasn't built for it. I think I took one computer science class and I nearly dropped out of college after taking that. That was not going to work for me. So um, math is hard, man. They well, don't say I, it just, math is too hard. It's crazy because my I have an older brother um, who like, go, like growing up, he was doing like cybersecurity and he like does all that stuff now in Washington, D.C., and I was like, oh, that sounds super cool. Like I can do something like that. Like I can be a programmer. I can make video games. And then my final project was to like make a video game in that CS class. I think I spent like 50 hours on it and got like a Lord. C or something like that, bro. It kicked Oof. my butt. It was awful. Um, but anyways, so I feel you on the whole, you know, trying to turn basketball into a career thing. And I know you took like a crazy path. You mentioned, uh, you know, doing stuff at Mizzou and like broadcast. How'd you wind up at the Oklahoma and now where you are at the moment? Man, luck. Um, people believing in me uh, probably when they shouldn't. Uh, I think I just I did the right things at Mizzou. Um, 
you know, met some of the right people um, and caught on to, I, I grasped an approach early. Like I wanted to, I wanted to be those type of, one of those writers that set scenes and, and told stories um, because as much as I love just talking a game, um, I love the stories behind the game. And I think the NBA has the best stories of any league, man, this league. I mean, just watching this team alone, it's like, man, how can you not enjoy what they've been doing? And so mm-hmm. um, I, I think knowing, knowing that the lane I wanted to take as a writer early helped me, you know, I bounced from, you know, cover Mizzou to intern internships with, you know, the Indy star and the Houston Chronicle. And uh, from there, you know, was covering Creighton for a year and they, they were just in such a position to succeed. And, you know, they, they had such an interesting year that it was, it was kind of the most pivotal year in their program history. So just doing, doing well there at a time when there were so many eyes there, it just, it, it catapulted me, man. Was uh, just, just a quick uh, question. Um, was it, was it something, did this, was it a quick turnaround? Because I know like heading into the, into the season, yeah, like Joe Masato was all of a sudden like they said, oh, you know, he's no longer doing, you know, doing the coverage on the Thunder, mm-hmm. doing the sport editing thing or and, and other and other sports. So for you, was it a complete quick turnaround to go like, hey, you're hired, you know, training camp. Let's go. Let's run with it. Oh, hell yeah. This whole my whole career has been like this quick turnaround, man. Like I, I graduated college two years ago. Like so just oh, to wow. be here now yeah. is like, wow, bro. So um I mean, I, I got I they hit me up about the job probably like a few a few weeks before the season. And I really I was pissed because I not because of the opportunity, but because the first week they went to Chicago and, and obviously that was the one time they were gonna go to Chicago. So like it all happened mm, so man. fast and, <laughs> and the way it unraveled was like I wasn't I couldn't even go home. So um yes, of course it's it's happened super fast. Um and like you kind of mentioned earlier, like I'm like a month and a half into the gig and I'm over here having to ask about Giddy and, and whatever else. So yeah. it's, it's been a whirlwind, man. It's been crazy. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? And it sounds like you stayed ready and you're hungry for the moment. Um, I guess so. Uh, the local community in Oklahoma City was also hungry to show out today and vote in the new arena. What I, I know it's, a, it's been a short while, what were your vibes going into today? Um, and what what is your outlook as kind of an outsider looking in to this situation? An outsider, insider, I guess, um, looking at this situation, like what do you think this means for the arena and does it make a statement about where Oklahoma City stands uh, nationally and internationally? Yeah, well, you know, before today, just from – picking people's brains around the beat and just uh, around games as of late. Um, it felt like it didn't – well, I, I don't know that I would say it felt like an overwhelming yes, but, it, I mean, people actually threw around that number 70, 30 in the, the in past days and um, made it feel like the yes vote would be voted comfortably. Um, but then I, I think today, going into today, just I kind of had to, you know – take a step back and think like a lot of what I was seeing was either Twitter or like people around a Thunderbeat. Like, and I had to think like Twitter is really like Twitter is not real life. And so I, I think I had mm-hmm. to check myself and be like, I don't know what the hell could happen today, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But then obviously once that first, uh, once the first results came in, it was like, 
well, I think it'll unfold the way people said. And then obviously now that it's passed and um, it was a, a hell yes, like y'all said, like <laughs> um, I just think it confirms that, you know, OKC, one, it's a, it's a win for small markets, but it mm. also just confirms that OKC behind everything, behind being a small market, behind, um, you know, people, you know, outside, you know, maybe trying to push this this thing to another city, to another market. It just confirms the the fan base they got here, man, the the level of passion areas for this team and for its short history. Um, and people here are clinging on to that history in, in this franchise, man. It, it was cool to see, low-key. Yeah, the Thunder's had a lot of, like, really great teams, um, you know, throughout their short stint in OKC. And it looks like we've got another great team that's kind of kind of uh, budding up right now. So I wanted to ask you, you know, obviously you talked about it. It was a short turnaround coming into, you know, the Thunder beat and everything. Um, but, you know, you follow the game, you follow basketball, you follow NBA. I mean, you've kind of seen, like, where the Thunder has been. Uh, what were your expectations for the team coming into the year? Yeah, not this. Um, I think I was kind of – I wasn't I wasn't in the nine ten playing range. That's kind of crazy. I thought they would be like mm-hmm. seven ish, um, because I, I I think it would be fair to think they could get a couple wins, a couple more wins than you know last year. Obviously they were a forty one team, um, but to be on the trajectory they are now, to where they look like they can be a sound top four seed if if this thing steadies, even if they hit an eventual wall, like um, I think that's pretty crazy. And a lot of that is because you know. Chet is further along than I think a lot of people thought. Um, Shea is as good as he's ever been. Um, J-Dub has taken another leap. And so this whole process, this whole thing, um, these first 20-something games have shown level of maturity and, uh, you know, just being further along in the process than I think most people figured there would be. And even if you're, like, this super fan, um, I think it's hard to envision what they've done to this point. But but like you guys mentioned earlier, they've taken care of business with teams, you know, below 500, the teams they should be beating and in games against, you know, better teams. Um, they've they fared well, like they've they've been able to hang. So um, I had them probably as like a seven ish seed. Um, but obviously now they've, they've moved the meter, man. Yeah. So uh, one of the guys that moves the meters the most is uh it's Shea Gilgis Alexander. Uh he's having an incredible season, you know, 30 points, leading the league in steals, um, career high, I think, in rebounds and and assists. Um so with all that said, um as far as the season that he's having, uh what kind of accolades do you think he could he could have at the end of the season? Yeah, you know, I was talking to somebody about this today because um there's a video out there, I forget the YouTuber's name. He's a he's a uh, He's a local YouTuber, but um, he he made the case for for Shea being all defense. And I oh, is that Gabby? Probably we. I, yeah. You you guys know better than I would. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a fair argument. Like I mean, mm-hmm. you look at the you look at the steals, the just the total numbers and the average. There's nobody close to him, man. And I, mm-hmm. obviously he he benefits from the system and not having to be the constant POA defender, um, whether that's Lou or whether that's Kaysen. Um, but to his, to, you know, to defend him, like he, when he switched on to those guys, maybe a Steph late game, like he, he holds up, he holds up his end of the bargain. And then of course there's the, the help defense where he's like basically walking into steals every so often. I mean, mm. he has, I think five games with at least five steals. 
the totals, I think he's at 58 steals, and the next guy is like Scotty Barnes with like 30 something. Like the, the, the rest of the league is not even close. And so, um, in terms of all defense, like I don't know why it would be crazy to at least consider him for second team. I know you probably want to give the nod first team to a couple of guys who are always on the ball and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of, you know, second team, I, it's not out the question right now, especially if he keeps that kind of distance in terms of steals. And then um, you, you asked total accolades, right? I think, I, I think Chet, yeah. uh, Chet has to be no, the no, no. rookie of the year right now. As far as like Shea, oh, like Shea, do you see Shea. any like M- MVP buzz oh. maybe? Oh yeah. The, M- the MVP buzz is real right now, especially because, um, Whatever's going on with Jokic right now, you know we're we're prisoner of the moment people. So mm-hmm. um, week by week, we're gonna uh, judge this thing. And uh, Jokic, for him to be the you know the annual kind of top candidate, he his buzz as of late hasn't been that. He's had a few rough games, and then I think he got ejected tonight. So, mm-hmm. um, but but with Shea, like he's just become such an automatic thirty ball, and um, it's so sound defensively now, and it's probably like automatic thirty five and five with a few steals. And he's impacting winning in a way that um, he's never had the chance to until now. And so I think the MVP buzz is absolutely real. I think he's at the very least top three. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's it, – it's tough because I feel like with MVP, it's one of those things that a lot of players have to like break their way into. Because whenever I talk about Shea getting MVP, people are like, oh, but you know, there's Jokic and Embiid and Giannis and Tam. Like there's always those typical guys, but – I don't think people realize enough the stuff that Shea is doing right now. Like you said, all defense too. I mean, averaging almost a full steal per game more than the second place guy, Donovan Mitchell. It's not even close. Um, But like you mentioned, another guy who's kind of balling out is Chet. Uh, I know I was a big believer in Chet. I think most of us here were big believers in Chet leading into the draft. Mm -hmm. But something I've always been a big proponent of is that Chet's a five. Like Chet belongs at, at the five in this league. I think that's the role he's best suited for. I was curious what your thoughts were. If you think OKC is maximizing Chet's talent by playing with the five, or if you could see a world where eventually they kind of slot him more over to that four role down the line. No, I I, I think he's uh, probably a five too. And I think there is a world where, um, and this is, and again, this is also situational. I talked about, you know, what they could do at the deadline or or in the, in the off season. I know people are like begging for Larry Markkinen. Um, which is something I don't think they would do at the deadline. I don't know if that's even possible for both sides at the deadline. Um, yeah. But but I think down the line, I don't know that there's a center deal that, one, they should make, um, at least for a starter caliber, you know, relative star-ish uh, center next to Chet anyway, for that even to be a, a thesis. But um, I think there is a world where, you know, there's lineups maybe the, if you consider Kelly Olenek a, a five or whoever, like a some reserve five, they can play together, sure. I, I don't I don't see why that wouldn't work, but I think he's more than fine starting and closing games as a five. If it's a durability issue, I think he's proved um that's that's really a non-factor in these first few weeks. People obviously the, the most of the <laughs> arguments are like, oh, well, how's he gonna check yogurts? How's he gonna check and bead? Those are like five man assignments all the time anyway. Yeah, so, can't do anything against them anyway. It's like no one, no one in the league is stopping a beat or Jokic. So yeah, and, and so if if the question is rim protection. I think he's, I mean, he certainly showed people what he could do there um, in terms mm-hmm. of the number of contests, contests per game, some of the stuff he's blocking, some of the stuff he's altering. Like, that's that's not, you know, and I, I obviously um, they they have some five-man defense stuff and they have different schemes, but um, if you want him to put a lid on the rim, 
he's probably defending fives more often than not or roaming around or whatever. It just makes a ton of sense for him to be a five. And then obviously um, you could have a lineup where Dub is at the four or let's say someone like Kelly Olenek comes in and he's at the four. Um, it just makes sense for him to be at the five to kind of maximize the style of play they want to have. So, yeah. You mentioned in Laurie Markinen, uh got me like uh, Dave Chappelle playing Rick James, just like, like come here, you know, um, he'd be a perfect complimentary piece to what we got, but we just mentioned dub, right? The rookie of the year runner up last year, a guy who's blossoming in his own right. All the smart NBA guys, uh, listening him as the next big thing. Is he the perfect complimentary piece with Shay and Chet? Like if it was just those as your big three, do you think that's enough? Or do you, do you think that they really do need to go out and get somebody else? No, I think they can win, and I think they can win big. Now, if we're talking championship, I'd have to see down the line, right? But uh, in terms of winning a playoff series with those three, I think it absolutely happened. Uh, this year, I don't know, because I know the playoffs, the game slows down, and they're a, a fast team, and, you know, the, the, the playoffs are a completely different game. Um, so I don't know if this year would be a year they win a playoff series, but I think you could absolutely, um, if it comes down to, you know, this three and building around them with, you know, good contracts and, and solid role players. Um, I don't think it's a bad vision long-term. Now, do I think somebody like marketing would help? Absolutely. Um, I think that could be their, their Aaron Gordon trade or, you know, back in the day with the KD team, their Kendrick Perkins trade. Like I, I see why people are, are, are low key geeked about that. Um, mm-hmm. But dub um, is the, the perfect uh, complimentary player. I almost called him a third option. That really depends on the night. Um mm-hmm. But he is the perfect complimentary guy, especially with the stuff he's doing now with the second unit, just on the ball, um, you know, spreading his wings a little bit. Like this dude's getting better every year. Obviously, we're only a year or two. This dude's gotten better um, this year. You're seeing the strides. So um, I think he still stands to get better. I, I know people think he can be an all-star eventually. Um, he's, he's certainly got some competition um, among other wings in this league, but um, he's a, he's a really good player. And as a, if he is your third option, like I don't, I don't see why you would be mad at that vision long term. I just want to say, as far as third options go, uh, there's a third option in uh, in Golden State that's probably about to get suspended for about ten to fifteen games now. <laughs> I saw you like, He just, hate to yeah, he just laid a haymaker on Nurkic like a punch, a swinging punch on Nurkic. Like, yeah, really? I didn't, have, I didn't have Draymond by KO, so he, he gone for a while. Coming. He yeah, gonna be gone for a while. Oof. They can't yeah. catch a break, man. Nah, I mean, not. they've won four championships. They, they, they've gotten their breaks. Don't worry. Man, he really tried to play it off like it wasn't a punch, too. Yeah, I know. Yo, oh, Golden man. State complaining about things is like uh, Patty Mahomes. The Chiefs complaining, complaining about, about things. things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, come on, bro. I'm over. Uh, uh, can I get back on track with uh, Jalen Williams? Yeah, uh, like, yeah, like you were saying, like, you know. Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. 
how do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. There's some nice, he's the second, like, you know, second option, sometimes even the first option, um, you know, specifically, like, so far in the month of December, like, he's he's been cooking, man. It feels like... Um, it feels like it's been really beneficial for him to play with Shea because so much of his game, I feel like, borrows from Shea's game, specifically within the three-point line. Um, like, some of those mid-rangers, some of those, like, off-foot, off-hand finishes, like, I, I just see Shea go to Alexander every time. So, um, that, that's really exciting to see. And, like, there was uh, – I can't remember which game it was, but, like, Shea and Dub was both on the court, but Dub had hit, like, seven straight shots, and Shea was, like, content to, like, dude, like, you're hot, like, go for it. And, you know, Shea was kind of, like, playing decoy. So, uh, I, I think that – yeah, I, I kind of put that question in because I think that they really do a great job of complimenting each other on both sides of the ball because, you know, Shea's, like, the offensive engine. Chet's the roll man, pick and pop guy, can also create his own shot. And Dub can kind of do everything offensively. And then same on defense, Chet's the anchor uh, at the rim. Shea's the guy that just wreaks havoc off ball. And Dub can kind of do all of it. He can protect the rim a little bit. He can be your point of attack defender if you need him to be. And he can also wreak havoc off ball. So, yeah, I I really – like, I, I'm really impressed by that, like, just that three-man tandem. Um, you know that rant that I just wanted to say for no reason. <laughs> no, it's the one of the best things is like having that like third guy to step up because it really does feel like you know Shea's of course the guy, but mm-hmm. Dub continuously like he there's so many moments where you see so much of Shea's game in what Dub does whether he's you know hitting like a scoop layup he's hitting a mid range jumper going right going left you know defending using his wingspan like. He said he watched Shea a lot, and he's one of the guys that he modeled his game after. He was inspired by him before even coming into the league. And you see a lot of those moments in his game where he's hitting those shots, getting those buckets, especially start of fourth quarter, Shea's not in, and he just steps up and gets those buckets when we need him. So having a consistent guy like that who can score efficiently, defend, it's it really just is a perfect trio of Shea, Chet, Dub, where they can play on ball, off ball, defend, you know, score, just do kind of everything in between no really holes in that big three, which is nice. Yeah. You just got to find those complimentary pieces now. And mm-hmm. uh, leads me to my next question, man. It, do you, Joel, do you think that Louis Dor is long for this team? You know, I've been questioning that lately. Um, obviously, um, like Giddy struggles have made people question, like, because I, I, I think some people in, entering the season probably thought like Lou – if anybody was to get pushed out long-term, Lou is probably in contention. Um, now Giddy struggles probably put him in contention. Um, but I think, you know, Kaysen's emergence and kind of what he offers, um, obviously not the POA defender that Lou is at this stage, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some of the things, some of the flashes, um, 
have made it easier for people to think, oh, well, maybe Lou can be the guy that's, you know, the odd man out, which is something I don't think they'll ha- they'll have to worry about for for some time. But mm-hmm. um, it is interesting because Lou, I think Lou had people in love to start the season, man. Like the, the mm-hmm. season to start was was like that, and then now you you kind of see him drop back down to earth, and it's like, well, can you really play him with so and so? How does he how does he feel with you know Giddy? Like, what can you really do if he's in the closing lineup? And obviously, he serves a different purpose in the closing lineup. He's not there for for shot making, but um, it is interesting. Um, Long term, I, I I think to start the season I would have said he was the odd man out, but now with Giddy stuff like just the way teams are defending him, um, obviously we got to see how the the type of tweaks they make there and uh, what they what they do. It doesn't seem like they're they haven't hinted at the idea that he'll start games with the second unit versus the starting lineup. Giddy yet is, but um, if it ever comes back on the up up for him, I think Dort is the guy probably out, but but that's just not the case right now. So. Yeah, he uh he offers he offers something that the team doesn't necessarily have. You know, they have scoring when you talk about the big three. Um, and so you don't need too much scoring. Um, but Dort just offers something on the other end of the floor that that Giddy doesn't. And Giddy also struggles on that end. You know, he gets he gets singled out on that end, and then on the other end, he you know, he struggles with his shot and they lay off of him on there. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Um Moving on to somebody on the bench, somebody that has, you know, that has a ton of potential, that has uh, somebody that we spent a three lottery picks on as far as a trade. Um, so I just want to ask you, are, are you a member of the Jane gang? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, <laughs> I like the way he breaks my heart. When he started the season, I kind of liked the way he was moving. He moved well yesterday. Um, you could tell mm-hmm. that the, the, the blue stint did some things for him. Um, I think with him, it's like a field thing because he has the length. He kind of has some of the tools. Um, can the shot be more consistent? Um, can he kind of carve out a more defined skill set, I think, is the thing for him. Like like yesterday, they kind of use him. Like he was in like some short roll stuff. Like you, you, you would catch him on the baseline. If like somebody tagged the low man, like he would dive at the right time. Like he was doing some good field things, mm-hmm. uh, which has to be a more consistent thing if he wants to break into this rotation because – you're seeing it, man. These guys got some like, like this team, the luxury, and I think why people are obviously pushing for this dogs. championship window. Yeah, they do. And when when people push this championship window idea, it's because these guys are on such cheap contracts. They're realizing that you know they're probably outplaying, not only play, outplaying their contract, but outplaying their expectations. Like Isaiah Joe, like Casey mm-hmm. Wallace, through twenty games. You know, these there's there's some real for a young team, especially there's some real depth there. I think. So for for Jang to kind of crack the lineup, like there has to be like you have to know what he does, like you have to know what he does on a consistent basis. So I think yesterday was the right step, but I I don't know that I'm his his number one fan yet. Oh no, that's, I, that's the guy. That's the I hope guy. There isn't a Poku question in here, by the way. There's not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan's the number one. Dylan's the number one fan. Don't worry, Dylan's already got. Yeah, that I, I, I'm the, I'm the founder of the Jane Gang. You know, it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster this season. But yesterday, yes. yesterday felt good. That was the 300 foot drop. You know, we're we're having a good time right now. <laughs> there you go, man. Um, sticking with guys talking about the bench. Uh, obviously, Mitsich is an interesting case coming over. Has played a bit on and off. You know, some nights he's not coming in at all. Some nights he's one of the more consistent guys off the bench. I uh, just want to get your read on how kind of the meets it situation has played out so far. Yeah. Um, it's taught me a lot about Degno and kind of just 
the way he thinks because I, it feels like I'm always the one asking like, what what went into you know so and so playing tonight? Because he Meech is just kind of in that you know barrel of guys that like could play. That's just their minutes are so situational. Like mm-hmm. like Trey Mann played in Houston. Like Davis Bertans yeah. played in uh, Dallas. Like guys that are just like Mark says being rewarded for you know things they've done recently. Uh, and with me, it's just like I I get it because um, you know people are concerned because. Obviously, he's a former MVP in the EuroLeague. Um, and Giddy, who does similar things, I guess, in, in the grand scheme of things, um, has not been good. And so yeah. people are like, yo, where's where's Demetrius Minish? Like, like, what's happening? Um, but with Demetrius, like, I, I wrote this in a mailbag like a week ago. Um, I, I rolled back the tape on his minutes. And, you know, he's he's been, like, for as much as he came in as, like, a for shooting and, like, pick and roll – you know, just pick and roll thing, being a pick and roll ball handler. You you wrote a say back on his possessions, and um, like granted, like he he's getting grenades at the end of a shot clock, uh, a decent mm-hmm. bit, probably more than anybody on his team. But at the same time, his pick and rolls like just haven't been like they haven't looked the part of somebody who was a, a Euro League MVP. Like he's he doesn't always get the separation you would want. Um, obviously he's not the best athlete. Um, he's probably shooting more contested threes and mid ranges than, than you would want from a guy that deep in a rotation. Um, and the minutes just aren't perfect. Like I, I think he's kind of in a place where he kind of has to play some really, really, really solid minutes. And so when he's kind of like learning on the fly and trying to adjust to the NBA and different stuff, like it just hasn't helped him. Um, so mm-hmm. he's, he's stuck in that group right now to me. And he's also just not really a plus defender right now either. So that doesn't help. Either so I, I get people's frustrations because of Giddy, um, but he's also like he's been a he's not a primary for them when he comes in that second unit. Like that's that's dub more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a secondary when he plays, and so it also probably limits a guy who is best at the pick and roll and and you know shooting out of the pick and roll probably. So it almost turned it almost turned into like a a triangle offense type situation where you have Dub on one end, you know, doing what he does by himself and then you have maybe Misich over here with the pick and roll um with the dive man uh just kind of because he's usually find his guys on on you know on those pick and rolls and on those dives so yeah and the, the pick and rolls just haven't from what i've seen been as clean as you would want them mm-hmm. to be i mean this guy that's this is this is what they got him for right and it just it just hasn't been what i've personally expected so i, I could see why he's he's kind of stuck where he is but yeah yeah a couple of other guys that seem to be stuck uh, right now where they are. Uh, the aforementioned Poku <laughs> and uh, one uh, Treshawn Mann. So, I was told there was uh, no Poku questions. I said that Alex was wrong. You, yeah. You've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, um, <laughs> led astray. Uh, yeah, so Poku and Poku. Trey. <laughs> um which of those guys do you think deserves one more legit look? Because it seems like they're both on kind of like their last hour with the squad. Yeah, it has to be Trey, right? Especially after that Houston game. Um, I just think on nights where, and this is kind of like a shot in the dark, but on, on a night where like your entire starting lineup is just not shooting well at all. Like this is a dude mm-hmm. who's a creative ball handler, um, has that shot making element to him where, you know, the, the ball don't stop believers and, whatever else that that pure hooper crowd is like we want to see trey man because he could do that type of stuff right like mm-hmm. he's a he's a legit shot maker when he gets the 
He gets the ball. I just think his minutes are usually like by the time he gets in the game, it's probably the Trey Man show. Um, but he had good minutes in Houston. Um, and then Poku, I, no shade to Poku. I just I don't know that I've seen good minutes from Poku this year. Um, not a lot of minutes anyway. Yeah. Is he still hurt? Game. Like how how bad was that ankle injury? In, I, don't, in the, I don't know, like right but I, we started. are. I know we are some weeks removed from that though. So I mean, I, I know that. I don't but... know. I don't know if he's still hurt, but um, and I know like I, I think a lot of the hype around Poku was like what he could be because he is uh-huh. still super young. Um, so I'm not gonna say he can't be something somewhere else. I just think where this team is now, I just don't know how much room there is for him to to be that idea, that fantasy for people who were drooling over what he could be. So. He also got dunked on like 20 seconds into his yeah. <laughs> yeah. With very little defensive effort. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I was always skeptical of the Poku pick, um, which is, you know, it, it, it's nothing against projects because, you know, like I said, I'm, I was very into his Mojang. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I never saw it with Poku, and I, I was – very upset because I wanted to draft Jay McDaniels or Tyrese Maxey or Emmanuel quickly with that pick, and then we traded it for Poku, and it was just like, dang, what? Uh, Trey was what could have been Trey huh? Murphy? No, yeah, that, was the, that was the next draft. Yeah, 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 that was the next draft. Like, bro, you're killing me. Um, <laughs> all right, so next question we got. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, kind of get in your bag on this a little bit. So I know you said Lori's a little bit out of the question, and I know you brought up Kelly Olenek. Uh, I'm going to ask you again, though. What's what's a trade you would like to see this team make? It doesn't there's have to be few. the deadline. It could be in the offseason if you want to. Yeah, there's a few. Um, again, I've had I've had thoughts recently, um, you know, where I do think that core three could be fine moving forward. Again, mm-hmm. you have to think whether they can be a championship core. Um, but I think Shay, like I. I'd bet on Shea being a championship first option at the very least. And so I think that's something you could bet on. But um, so I don't know. I've been reconsidering the whole Lori thing recently, um, especially because people view this stuff as like so transactional, like it's 2K or something like this stuff isn't just additive. Like you're taking away from something when you when you bring somebody in. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's just something to consider. But yeah, look, I think Lowry makes the most sense um, as like a summer Thing. And I think, I mean, to, in fairness to, to marketing, like he fits in a lot of places, bro. He's just become that type of player to where he just yep. helps you do so many things. And he's on a pretty good contract for a guy that good. Um, but like in terms of like deadline stuff, like realistic stuff, um, Olenek is like the top target in my eyes just because um, the passing, the the rebounding, um, the shooting, obviously, he, he he's a, a good stretch. He's, he kind of slots into different lineups. Uh, you can play him at the five to four. Um, Utah plays him with two other bigs at times. And so he's he's just uh, – he's a good player. I hated on him back in the day because uh, I just didn't like who he was with Boston. Mm-hmm. I remember he, he had some crazy game uh, with Boston back in the day. I was just like, I, I hate this dude for no reason. But, I remember when he, when he ripped somebody's shoulder out. Who, who was it? Kevin Love. Too. Kevin Love. There we go. Yeah, we talking about that the other day. I didn't like Olenek back in the day. But he's, he's a good player. And um, – just the passing, I think, is really what puts him over the top over some of those other bigs. I think in that mailbag, somebody asked me the same thing. I threw out Jalen Smith, which is like less attractive than than mm-hmm. Olenek, but he's just your solid 
stretch big, that can rebound, um, mm-hmm. good size, um, can fit in a lot of places where you just need a stretch and a rebounding presence. Um, he's been crazy efficient for the Pacers who are actually winning. So um, I like what he did this year. And then, and then an underrated name, low key. Um, he's he's not so much a five. He's more like a wing. But he's a defensive playmaker. I I love Tari Eason, low key. I don't know what the need like. I mm-hmm. I think this team could definitely use another defender, rebounder type. Maybe you want it to be more in the shape of a, a four or five than a three four. But Tari Eason is low key. He's really good in his minutes for Houston. Like mm-hmm. I, I was impressed with what he did against uh OKC. I mean he's just I mean, defensive. Go ahead. I was just say Yudoka is playing uh, Tari Eason over Jalen Green a lot because of that. Yeah, he's he's a defensive playmaker, um, rebounder presence because he's just so aggressive even at his size, um, and he's like synergy hates him. They don't think he's the best half court guy, <laughs> but I mean if you just look at the numbers, like he shot the ball well this year, so it's it's hard to argue with the the shots he's getting. And it's not like I mean he's not going to be like this pop option like he's just gonna shoot spot ups probably so i i like the idea of tari Eason low key so yeah the other thing with kelly olenic is he's got chemistry with shea uh from his team canada run as well so uh whenever he's not looking him off uh you know to to shoot a contested three-pointer uh that's that that's the one thing but you know in terms of like pick and pop and like hitting him on the spot up i, I thought that they had some really nice chemistry uh moments in team canada uh before we move on to the next question i just want to ask you this because this is the guy that's probably been mock traded to OKC for like the last three years. He was a guy that a lot of people wanted us to draft in the first place. Uh, and he's probably going to be available in trade talks this year. OGN and OB had Toronto. How would you feel about trading for a guy like that? Yeah, I'm not mad at that. And I, I, I do think um, it, it also depends on the package too, because some of these packages, these mock packages mm-hmm. are insane for that. That's dude. wild. Like as good as he is, like some of the packages are insane. And granted, that's that's from what I've seen on Twitter. Twitter is a wild place to be going for trades anyway. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these dudes um, could not be GMs. I couldn't be a GM, admittedly. But um, I think oh, the ideal OG is like a a guy that you could – because obviously they play dub at the four sometimes. Um, he starts as a pseudo four, I guess you could say. Um, but, you know, to slot OG there instead of – Dub and have Dub more um, just as like a traditional three. I think it makes some sense. Um, and he's not like we talked about additive versus, you know, taking away from some guys. Like, I don't know how much OG will take away from those other guys. I think he's super complimentary, especially within this team, because it's, it's you kind of recognize the identities off rip. Um, I don't think they're going to ask OG to go for 20, right? Like the, the identities mm-hmm. are kind of made there, like they're they're built in. So um, I like the idea of a guy like OG. I don't know if they should go all in for him. Not not to – I mean, OKC has all the assets anyway, right? Yeah. But um, I think they should really carefully go about their next move and the way they do that. And obviously, I, I personally think they're not going to make a big splash at the deadline and are going to see, you know, how things unfold in the postseason before they act or do anything crazy for that matter. So, Is OG a max player? OG and Max player. It depends on the market. Like I know some people talk about uh and now they look dumb. You know, y'all remember when when Rudy got that max contract in, in Utah and people were like, What the hell, Rudy getting a max? Like that's wild. But yeah, he's like he's like the the defensive player of the year front runner right now. Um mm. his team is first in the West. Um and like for what it's worth, like that's 
probably what it takes to keep a guy like that in Utah. Like that's mm. that's the mm-hmm. cost of doing business, bro. Uh, and that's like that. That's also like when people bring up OKC, uh, like operating above the first apron or the the luxury tax or whenever it comes down to it like you can't think that okc is gonna just abandon its team because it, it wants to be cheap no small market team can afford to operate like that like you i i you you would be hard pressed to find a small market team that had a core of players like shay chet dub just those three alone and say oh yeah look, well, let's break this up because we just don't want to pay up like that's the, that's not a thing and so mm-hmm. back to the other point like um OG, I don't know. I'd say no, but it also depends on the market. If he's in like Utah or something like that, then that maybe he is a max player. You know what I'm saying? Because that's just the cost of doing business. So. Is is there a situation where you said you know you said that basically the smart move is to probably wait till the off season? But is there a situation where heading into February, you know, this team is just either first or second in the West where? You know, you say, hey, a championship uh, window could be open right now if we get the right player. Uh, do you think that's a, a scenario, of a, a possible scenario, or do you think we just, you know, kind of see how this team goes and then wait till the offseason? Yeah, I'd say no, only because um, this is a team that hasn't even seen the playoffs yet. So to think mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. could, as good as a coach as Mark is, as good of a young core as they got, to think that they could not only outplay out coach out scheme you know some of these teams that they're banging with in the west for multiple series all the way to the finals um i think it's far-fetched no matter who you add into the mix and i think it's it'll probably be counterproductive to add somebody into the mix in the middle of the year which is why i keep saying i, I don't think marketing is a mid-year move um and so like i i'm fully on board with the idea that let this year be the year you see what you have um and then you move on it, and then you act on it if they win a series great if they don't, then you really know you need to go back to the drawing board. Um, I think they can – it's a fair question because I think they could absolutely be, you know, um, with how they look through the first whatever games, they could absolutely be a top two or, or three seed down the line. But um, I think at that point you just got to rock out with what you have. So Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another 100 meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to do list teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. 
Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Kind of based off of what you've seen, based off of how we played, um, what's your final prediction for the Thunder this season? You know, without no big trade or anything, just this team going all 82 and into the playoffs. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think there's still a couple walls that they're going to hit um, that we just haven't seen yet. Um, part of that is I think that we've seen one of the first ones, which is they've come down from their video game uh, sustainability in terms of shooting. Um, that was never going to hold up to the degree it, it, it held up to start the year. But um, there's probably still a couple walls they got to hit. So I'd, I'd say fourth or fifth seed, which is probably optimistic low-key. I know – um, if this was Joe, Joe, Joe had them. Hey, Joe's on the record saying they were like a, a eighth or ninth seed, I think, coming into the year. So pessimist. Come on, Joe. And I, I'm I'm, a, I'm equally objective, but um, I had them a hair above Joe. And then now I think with what they look like, they're probably like a, a fourth or fifth seed. It, and it certainly helps that like Memphis is like unbelievably bad. Like they like they they've some things have worked out in their favor in their standings. Um, but they're just a good team, especially for a young team. So, yep, for sure. And these next couple of games will uh, will kind of tell us a lot about how this team's been growing. You know, going back to Sacramento, going to Denver. Um, you know, if we could split those games, like that would be huge for us. So, um, Joel, uh, I know we said you know we try to keep about forty five minutes. We've got just a few like fun rapid fire questions. If you want to sure. do them, let's do, we can it. do them. All right, let's rock it, man. All right, excluding Shea because he would dominate everybody. Who on OKC's roster is winning a King of the Court? King of the Court. This is interesting. I say Sh- Chet low key only because I think Bigs just longer guys. Like I think like when I think of King of the Court, I think Michael Porter comes to mind because when you have that type of length and that type mm-hmm. of jumper. Like, it's just hard, like, because you have so few dribbles, like, those are the dudes that are – they got the advantage, man. They can just shoot right over you. And Chet is just – he's been so efficient. He's automatic. That dude's a genuinely good shooter. Um, so, I, I'll probably lean Chet low-key. I don't think he needs a ton of dribbles to go to work, so. No poke like love on this? <laughs> Not at all. Maybe next episode. <laughs> Uzman Jang, come on now. We're talking about Uzman all, Jane, no. all the Sorry. big guys. Uh, all right. Uh, best, worst, and most fun matchup for the Thunder so far, or like the whole season. Uh, just in general, yeah. It could be. It could have already happened, or it could be something you're looking forward to. Best and worst. Um, did you did you put most fun in there? Was that the third thing? I heard? Yeah, most fun. Yeah, most fun we've seen has probably been the Warriors. They played like basically a playoff series against those. Yeah. Teams, man. Not, not, not to not to fans of the team. No, that, that those are right. heart wrenching. <laughs> I hope we yeah, never play the Golden State Warriors again, man. I'm so sick. I hope we get a playoff Warriors. series. There, I hope, there. bro. I, I will be dead. I will not. Hey. I'll be here in this chair, heart attack three times over in those series. Hey, I at least at least we'll know that Draymond will be suspended. In, in the aftermath, though, of those games, y'all can't lie and say that, you know, because it gave y'all the moment, the pizza roll moment, it gave y'all the Chet three and go to state. Like, y'all can't lie and say, say that's not that's not real TV, man. Oh, that's yeah. true. It's beautiful. I can't, I can't lie. Winning a series over the Warriors to kind of start this thing back. Oh, I would go crazy over that on Twitter. But at oh, least you in the day, blocking Curry's three, too. 
Oh yeah, and the only problem is in the moment I may not survive to make it to the fun <laughs> reactions at the end of the series. But if I make it there, we're you know we're good, we're chilling. The problem for me is I try to watch it, but I couldn't see it through all the interference that happens at the basket against them. Mm. So, Ooh. yeah, those are those yeah. are, and every one of those games had a different story like that. Like that first game mm. you mentioned was crazy. Um, I think the second game was like the Isaiah Joe game. Um, mm-hmm. The third game was the the Chet three. That last game was obviously last week and was was nuts. Probably the best one at all the games. Um, so that I, that's the that's been the most fun to me. And I don't know a team that could give them a better series than that, a more entertaining series than that. Um, in terms of best and worst, like matchup wise, I don't know. Um, what about Minnesota? Minnesota. When you say when we say best, is it like that they're just going to overwhelm that team or what? Yeah, like they're, they're the best like matchup for them in terms of like mismatch. Like Alex oh, of Minnesota, like course, Alex, like right. a lot of people best think they're worst. Yeah. Best in yeah. right? <laughs> That's the obvious answer, right? But uh, no, I yeah. think the, the teams that are just can't keep up with their their pace and um, shooting when they're on, which is probably most teams, but um, the pace really like I would. They've they've done a good job of turning teams over. So teams with like relative to the NBA poor ball security are are probably bad against them because then they're just going to run it up. Um, teams that are good against them are like kind of like teams like you mentioned, like the Timberwolves that can uh, change their scheme at the drop of a dime. They went to that zone um, late in that game and kind of muck some things up. Um, I think Boston, for that reason, will probably be tough against them. I mean, Boston's tough against everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have said Milwaukee last year, but their defense is like, what the hell happened? It's the Dame effect. Uh, Oh please, let's not do that. Let's not <laughs> let's not single out Dame here. But um, but yeah, uh, teams like those who I think would be tougher matches for them. And then D- Denver, obviously, Denver is like the only team that's really outclassed them because Denver is just a well-oiled machine. So I'd probably add Denver into that group too. All right, that's all fair. Uh, let's see here. Let's let's take it to the court, man. You're building a five-man lineup of Thunder media members to go run the courts. Who you bringing? Oh, <laughs> we don't really got a lot of comp. I'm not, I'm admittedly not very good because just because I don't play often anymore. Um, mm-hmm. If this was 2K, it'd be different. I, I still play 2K often, but um, five man lineup. Let's see. Um, I'm gonna just put Daniel Bell in there because I've heard good things about his game, bro. Um, relative to the beat, I've heard he's like a Draymond type. He's low. My built my, like a, my thigh still has a bruise from from when he need me. So 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 it sounds like he is a Draymond. Yeah. Like, seriously. So so he. I think uh, he took Cone out while he was uh while he was in midair too. Who who is this again? Daniel Bell. Daniel, Daniel Bell. Oh yeah, it totally took me out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so the, so the, I'll throw Daniel yeah. in there because he got the Draymond, you know, physicality. At least he he's Draymond relative to to normal people. So um, let's throw Daniel Bell in there. Um, I guess I'm gonna. Throw Joe in there. I heard Joe got a flamethrower. I don't really believe really? it. Really? What? I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's true, but I heard he got a flamethrower. Um, I'll throw myself in there a little key, just because I, I think I could be a connector type. You know what I'm saying? Make the right yeah. pass, make the okay, right read, and all that. I think Michael. Michael from Sellout Crowd. Yeah. Martin, yeah, Michael Martin. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, he's Mike, got he, a nice game. He, he can hoop. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think he just he just knows the game. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what he plays like, but I do hear he he's in the run. So I gotta imagine he's a safe bet. 
so I, so I don't know. I don't know if you've seen him play, but Brandon Raybar, he's short, he's little, but he's pretty good. He's got you know he's got like a fine throw on him, man. Like Maybe he'll be six man. I, if I'm <laughs> thinking relative to the lineup I already picked out, I'll probably put uh Ryland Styles in there just because I need like a, a big body in there, man. I need like a a, a Brian Reeves type, you know what I'm saying? Like give me give big me, country. Give me Ryland, dog. Big you know country. Let me get Ryland, get some rebounds and shit like that, man. Oh, well, <laughs> hey, we're we're coming up to OKC literally a month from tomorrow, tomorrow. so uh, we'll we'll be hooping. I think that Friday, so I, I'll hit you up on that. Brandon's supposed to be organizing the OKC crowd. We're gonna try to get oh, really? a Thunder Media hooping session going. Uh-oh. That's yeah, tough. So wait, wait, when is that? Uh, the, I think the that's 12. the twelfth, right? Yeah, it'll be the twelfth of January uh, that evening. Okay, bet twelfth. Yeah, it'll, it'll probably it'll probably be at Blake Griffith's gym. But don't have the bubble guts because he usually doesn't have toilet paper. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a whole other story. That's pretty that's pretty wild. You know that, but um. yeah, Alex, that's a crazy thing to bring out of nowhere. So. Right. Yeah, appreciate yeah, yeah. it. Uh, first yeah. time, yes, man. Like at least wait for the next time. I'm, almost like it happened to somebody in here. All right, Montezuma's <laughs> revenge up in here. So you mentioned two K. You mentioned Rylan. Is Rylan Styles a fraud at two K? He sucks. He's not good. Um, he sent me. He actually sent me screenshots today. He beat. He beat uh, Clemente Almanza. Um, yeah, Clemente pretty good. Well, he forty piece Clemente, so I don't know. Ooh. I have by by transitive properties. Like if I twenty piece Rylan, I gotta <laughs> be able to like eighty piece Clemente, right? Like I, mm-hmm. like I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So um, Rylan, no Rylan's Rylan's not very good. He keeps talking about we're we gonna do a seven game series and. And this and that, but like I don't know what else I got to prove against that dude, man. He's obsessed. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. That makes me happy. Yeah, R- R- Rowan's cool. I-, I know he's. I know he talks a lot of stuff about two K. So whenever I saw the, no I saw the screen grab of of your score there, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, all right, a couple more here. Um, is the Santa nickname for Jalen Williams okay for just the month of December? Do you is know the backstory behind this? Is that uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, then but, tell me the backstory because I've I've seen mention of that. Yeah, so basically last year, whenever the draft happened, you know, obviously we drafted two Jalen Williams and we were having a great old time on that. We were on a high of getting Chet Holmgren and Jay, like having three lottery picks and we were just having a good time and we just kept sailing Jalen Williams, Jalen Williams over and over again, not knowing who he was talking about. So I was like all right, you know what? I'm just going to call him Santa just because, you know, he went to Santa Clara and it's a way to differentiate it. And, you know, we, we were kind of delirious at this point. And so I started making puns with it. Like, oh, Santa is driving into the lane, climbing up the ladder and coming down the chimney on that slam. Santa He's in his bag. The present over here. Santa's deep in his bag tonight. Like, just started having fun with it. And um shout out jojo obviously he's dubs uh roommate and his mm-hmm. friend and you know his his photographer and all that uh we got linked up with jojo and you know he kind of you know spread the word to dub and you know he doesn't hate it apparently he thinks it's funny so you know a lot, a lot of people hate it on the timeline they're like his name is j dub and you know i, I call him <laughs> dub like i've kind of settled like just calling him dub throughout the season but december that's that's my time to shine man i'm gonna call him santa in december and he, he seems to think it's funny so you got a couple more weeks. I'll give you that. I, I, I'll let it. I'll let it rock. I won't. You won't see me calling him Santa. Yeah, no, no, I feel that. I think it should be allowed for y'all to call him Santa, and that's y'all think. So, like, and it seems like, like you said, I think I've seen him tweet back at y'all. So it seems like uh-huh. he's, uh, he's not yeah, so, really against it. So I saw, I saw him this weekend at the zoo, and I told him I was like, "Hey, you know, we're the ones that that bring up that that Santa nickname," and he was like, "Oh, that's you." 
He was like, that's tough, man. That's tough. I was like, all right. All right. Tough sounds like a stamp. That sounds like a stamp. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying, man. And hey, like I, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, you know, hammer the point too hard. But he's playing his best basketball in the month of December. So that's that's all I gotta say. He's got superpowers in the month of December. So, uh, last question, man. You know, and it could be this guy. It could be somebody else. Who is your favorite Thunder player that you have got to cover so far? You can't say all of them. It's, it's probably no. I wouldn't. It, <laughs> it's a, a toss up between. It's definitely Poku. Anyway, it's a toss up between Chet and uh, probably Dub. Um, Dub because he's just Dub is so open, man. I I, mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of time we talk to Dub, he's great, man. Um, and a Chet Chet is like an underrated quote, low key. Like he can be calculated, but he's also like he's just he's thoughtful, man. Like I I, I think people see like he looks like fried in the pressers, and like he uh, he's just super laid back. Comes in with these big ass Nike texts, but like. He's really thoughtful, bro. Especially for a rookie to be to talk the way he talks, like he's just a great quote. Um, and just watching those two, I, I know everybody talks about Shay. Shay is who he is, but but Chet's been like every time Chet's off the floor, I'm like I'm kind of counting the seconds till he gets back out there. Like Chet's just been super fun to watch, uh, especially mm-hmm. as a guy like I. I'm a, I'm a big man advocate. Like all most of my favorite players all time are are big men. So like seeing Chet becoming what he's becoming, like is it's fun to see in real time. So I like it, man. I like it. Way well, hey, uh, we put you through the ringer, man. You know when we kept you 15 extra minutes. Uh, you know had a great time. Hope you had a great time. This is the point where Likewise, man. turn it over to you, man. You know plug anything you want to plug where people can follow you. Anything you might be working on. Two or four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, okay. I hate to plug another pod, but you know, me and Joe getting that <laughs> that Thunder Buddies back started up. So tune in to us over there. You can hear me talk my shit over there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter to, to see what I'm doing over there at JX Lorenzi. So that's that's J X L O R E N Z I on Twitter. Um, and then you can go to Oklahoma.com to read me. My byline is in there. I'm I'm writing after every game. I'm writing a couple more times a week, uh, and I will be writing a lot more for the foreseeable future. So just just rock with me, man. Absolutely, man. Hey, you you killed it on the pod, man. You've been killing on the beat. Keep up the great work, and uh, love, you know, man. we'd love to have you back on here uh, later in the season. No doubt. Just hit me, man. For sure, man. Well, all right, guys. Uh, till then, uh, I think what we play on Thursday. We're not gonna be potting Thursday unless anything, unless something crazy happens. We will be back Friday with Dolan. We'll be doing a Dolan pod and then post game Saturday for the Nuggets game, assuming it's not depressing. Uh, but yeah. Until then, hope everybody has a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up, thunder, thunder up. up. Come on, come on, Joel. Can't do it. Uh, 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 <laughs> gotta stay objective thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher and Google Play or anywhere else you listen to your podcast be sure to leave us a 5 star rating and a positive review and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder Thunder up! Okay, here's how Miro works. See, it's amazing. What's everyone doing at David's desk? 
Ever since marketing started using Miro's collaborative online whiteboard, he thinks all our other teams should sign up. Why? He says Miro's making his meetings disappear. And if every team gets on it, that means even less meetings. They're using Miro for brainstorms, mind maps, customer research. So could we use Miro instead of having another hundred meetings for every round of feedback? Yep. You can comment, react to ideas, even leave a recording on the board. And what about presentations? There are Miro templates for that. How do you know so much about Miro? I've actually been using it all along. I just used a Miro board to plan the best vacation. Okay, I'm on board. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com. Hey, parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to do list teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.